Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hi, everybody, and welcome on this weird, stormy kind of a day. I don't envy anyone that has to drive anywhere north of Leeds. Actually, I just got a picture from uh, somebody who was in Leeds, and it's uh, snow-covered roads in Leeds, even. So, uh, But anyway, welcome to the show. And by the way, I said I don't envy anyone that has to drive up there. I, d- I have to drive. I don't envy me. Uh, but uh, Zach Renstrom is here today, our Washington County Water Conservancy District boss. And uh, Zach, thanks for coming, man. It's good to be here today. Good to see you. Uh, you're you're uh, got your puffy coat. I guess you don't have any body fat, so you can't you can't rely on that to help keep you warm. <laughs> I, I I am pretty skinny. Yeah. Zero percent, I think. Yeah, my <laughs> I my wife is not a very good cook. And so and if she was oh, here, oh, oh wait, wait, is she if listening? she was here, standing right here, she'd be like, "Yeah, I don't cook," That's and true. so okay. But no, I'm yeah, I I like to run, and so if I do get a little fat on me, I generally burn off pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, there's none, like zero percent. Yeah. <laughs> do 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 you buy into their whole what is that BMI body mass index thing? Do you, do you ever? You know, I I I. I don't even have a scale at my house. Oh, okay. Um, and so I just kind of run because uh, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have in my family some heart conditions. And so I just want to keep those statistics in my favor as much as I can. And so I just kind of get out and run. I don't nice. really track things. I don't track calories or anything like that. So I had, uh, I, you know, I lost a bunch of weight a couple of years ago and was almost as thin as I was in high school. And they still had me as, um, I don't know, overweight or something like that. I'm like, there's no way I'm overweight now. I'm, I'm like unhealthily skinny. I'm not now, but I was then. And uh, so I, I kind of gave up on their whole BMI stuff. I'm, I'm not buying into that anymore. But uh, So my doctor told me to gain weight. Did he? Mm-hmm. You can have some of mine. <laughs> so, yeah. He's like, I've only said this to one other person, but you need to gain five pounds. <laughs> Do you know Tony Chambers, a Dixie Direct guy? Oh yeah, yeah. you I, and Tony are probably in the same weight category. <laughs> he he once weighed. He said, "Heaviest he'd ever been in his life was one thirty-eight. He was pretty. Proud I've never of been up to one thirty-eight. You've never made it that high. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So even Tony's a big guy compared to you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, let's talk about water. It's it's hard to talk about a drought when the entire state is blanketed with a big rain slash snowstorm. Uh, but the drought is still here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's stages of drought, and we're climbing out of those worst stages. There's no question about that, and we are mm-hmm. definitely improving. Uh, the, the tough thing is is that we were just in such a deficit, it just takes time to get out of it. And, you know, sometimes I like to use an analogy of a credit card debt. When you have a huge credit card debt, just one good paycheck is not going to pay it all off. It's right. going to take some time. And so, yeah, we're, we're this snow's wonderful. And, I like, it's been a huge blessing to get all this snow, and it's been really good, and it's helpful. But it would take probably about two or three winters like this to get us back to normal. Um, for the Colorado River system, um, it would take actually, we actually need a lot more snow than this to get Colorado back cold. Mm. Uh, I read a story this morning said uh, Vegas was pretty proud they used 8% less water in the past year than they have in years past from the Colorado River. Uh, 
is the battle still ongoing on who's using how much and who deserves what? And I mean, we have that hundred year old, you know, pact and everything. Is that, is that still a pretty good fight? And is California going to sign on? It is a huge fight. It's a battle right now Mm -hmm. that's going on. It's everybody's very, very nervous. California. So all the basin states got together except for California and came up with a plan. And California basically said, we're, well, I got to be careful because I've been ripping on California. It's pretty hard. And someone came up to me and said, (laughs) <laughs> don't do that anyways california said we disagree with everybody else we're not blaming californians we're blaming the california government yeah yeah, yeah. we'll say that okay um but california says this is our plan and and uh, you know when i look at it it is an unacceptable plan just mm. flat out it's not it, it's absurd in my opinion uh and so it, that something has to be addressed um and everybody right now is just holding their breath to see what the federal government will do because the six basin states came out with what I believe is a reasonable plan. California came out with their complete separate plan. And so since there's no consensus, the federal government is going to have to take certain actions and nobody trusts the federal government. Even people in California <laughs> don't trust the federal government. <laughs> no. And so everybody's kind of holding their breath to see what oh, happens. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but Utah, one thing I'm very proud of is, is Utah a couple years ago decided to step up. Uh, our legislature created the Colorado River Authority of Utah, allocated funding for that program, uh, that, that authority. And now we have really bright minds, good legal team actively working on it where, you know, four years ago we weren't. And so Utah now is starting to take the lead in, in these negotiations. And that's really good to see because it helps us as a state be in a better position. Were we up to that point? Were we a little bit defenseless or a little bit maybe not, not having the people that knew the right things at the right time before that? Oh, it was a joke. Was it? Uh, yeah. I, so I went down to Arizona, and I went with two state guys, and we went down to Arizona to talk to them about the Colorado River. We showed up to this meeting, and they had uh, three full-time attorneys that do nothing but the Colorado River, the mainstream Colorado River. Wow. Then they had three engineers that do nothing but the mainstream California, the Colorado river. That's, that's all they focus on full time watching every single drop of water. And in Utah, we only had a guy, we had a, a, an attorney that was spending maybe like 5% of his time Mm. and an engineer that was maybe spending like a little bit of his time. Now water rights was doing a little bit more. I've got to give water rights some credit, but Utah was completely unprepared for what was coming up. Uh, So we went to our legislature and our legislature realized that our local legislator, uh, people saw it, and uh, we got a bill passed, and and now we got the resources in place to help fight. Because Utah was a, the problem was is Utah was agreeing to things that they had no idea what they were agreeing to, and it caused lots of problems. Did um, obviously your job is to see into the future, uh, and that's hard to do for for anybody, <laughs> uh-huh. of course. And Ron Thompson did that, but uh, pretty well. But um, things get more and more complicated as you have again these other states with lawyers and, and and focusing on how much water they actually signed up for and how much water they want to take and have been taking and mm-hmm. are are going to take in the future so as you as you look into the future do you see any kind of resolution is is there a compromise in there because i look at some of our political issues in this nation you know uh, just the right versus the left, the environment, for instance, things like that. And there's not really very much in the way of middle ground. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really wish, I mean, the, 
this is where I get philosophical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why we had the federal government. There's a reason why the Constitution was signed because at certain times, you know, the states were having friction and, and there needed to be a federal government for certain things. Right. And this is a good example. If we had reasonable, rational people in the federal government that could come and say, this is the reasonable, rational thing to do, I'd have confidence. The, the tough thing, is, and there are employees in the federal government that are very, very good. The tough thing is, is I have, in my experience, have not, I've, I've been very, very frustrated with the federal government because even if there's a constitutional duty for the federal government to act, sometimes they, I just feel like they're either they're incompetent they're too scared. Like there's all these reasons why sometimes they don't act. And this would be a good example where the states are not getting along and either it's going to go to the United States Supreme court court of originals jurisdiction for disputes among the states. And that's going to take 10 years Hmm. or the feds could step up and say, this is how we're going to operate the dams. Um, they, they clearly have that congressional approval to operate the dams a certain way and they, and they can make things happen. But I just don't know if they're going to do it. I know the people involved. I I think uh, I'm I'm impressed by some of them. I'm not at least I'm not as impressed with others. And so that's why everybody's holding their breath. And I I'm I mean there's a proposal to come up here and take some of the Virgin River water and send it down to California. Wow. And so people are saying, "Are you scared?" And I says, "I I'm I'm petrified because I I don't know what's going to happen. And if if all of a sudden that somehow happens." That would be devastating for us, and so yeah, oh for it's sure, it's a scary time. We we have enough water shortages of our own. We don't need them <laughs> taking more of our water for sure. Exactly. Um, and you you were very nice and left this out. There's also a, a level of dishonesty and some crookedness in the federal government. I I still to this day one of my pet peeves is lobbyists, people that come in and, and they pour billions of dollars to influence political politicos, you know, members of the legislature to, to lean a certain way. Mm -hmm. And yes, maybe some of the legislate legislators are to blame as much as the lobbyists, but still it's there. And I don't, I don't think it should be legal, but that's uh, that's a whole personal soapbox for me. No, I, there, there's, there's no question that there's corruption. And, and when I say corruption, I, I have, in in all my involvement in the government, I, I haven't seen anybody get slipped, you know, an envelope full of cash or have heard that, but it's more of, and this is where I see it's like they'll pander to a group hoping that when they leave the federal government, they'll get hired by that. Liquid pro quo. huh? Yeah. Or, and I, I, I go off on this a lot too is, um, you know, I really do care about the environment. I like, we spend a lot of time at the water district and making sure that we're good stewards of the land and protecting mm-hmm. the land. Um, but I get astronomically frustrated because the vast majority of environmental groups have nothing to do with the environment. It's 100% about cash hmm. and yeah. they're corporate, like they're, they, they, they're nonprofit corporations, but they're still corporations trying to raise money. And that's what makes me, that's, that's an area that I get frustrated with because they don't, they're not trying to fix anything. They're not trying to do anything. They're just trying to raise money. And that drives me nuts. They care about the green, the green dollar. Exactly. Instead of the green now, grass. Now, there are, yeah. just to be fair, there are legitimate environmental groups out there mm-hmm. that really do very positive, good, really, really good things that I am impressed with. I was handed, Zach, uh, a, a flyer 
recently at a meeting I was in, and it was a link to a, uh, a website that has to do with Southern Utah. And their contention, one of their contentions, is that Lake Powell Pipeline is not necessary. If we would all just pull together a little bit better and conserve a little bit better, we would never need the Lake Powell Pipeline. And I thought to myself, well, we are pulling together. We are conserving, and we're finding out that we're, you know, it's it's not quite enough. Do you have any thoughts? You've probably heard, and I'm not going to publicize their website because <laughs> I think they're wrong. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on that? You know, it really. I, yes, <laughs> and I could go off on this subject for like four hours. Um, and well, we put, have forty minutes. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I put on my engineering hat, and and. The, as we continue to grow, and that's what our cities and our elected officials have, have des- said they want. So every city has a master plan about what they want. Mm-hmm. And I look at our water use, and I look at water conservation, and even, you know, we're, we're making the new homes that are being built today are going to be some of the most water-efficient homes in the western United States. Sure. Even with all those steps, you just hit it. Like, there's only so much of a resource there. Mm-hmm. And Utah is entitled to a certain portion of Colorado River water, and and our legislature says we want to come here to Washington County for economic development, and so there's just there's just a certain physical point, and so these these people come in, and even some of their studies, and I go through and I find all these errors in their studies. Sometimes they're very pretty; they have a really pretty cover. Mm-hmm. But I go through and as and I put on my engineer hat, and I says, well, this math doesn't work. And I get very frustrated by that because are they, are they doing it on purpose? Are these kind of are they lies or are they just mistakes they're making? Oh no, I some of them are flat. They, I've sat down with them and I've explained that the, their math. I was like, this is math. Math, like one thing I love about math is math doesn't lie. There's no lying unless yeah. you start throwing letters in there, then it lies. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm still mad about algebra three or whatever it is I had to take back trigonom- trigonometry, whatever back in the day. So, but so, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I actually love math because of the letters, because like the symbol pi is, oh, everybody's saying you're getting nerdy. So I won't get nerdy. Anyways, I get frustrated because I sit down with these groups and I say, this is where your math is wrong. This is what you're not doing right. Sure. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. We see our error. We know what's going on. And then the next publication they come out or letter to the editor or anything like that continues a lie. And so to me, it's like, okay, I understand people make mistakes. We are, you know, we're, we're all learning and sometimes we don't know everything and I'm still learning. But when someone's pointed out something that's, that's math, so it's not like a question. And then they, they continue that same rhetoric. To me, it's like, okay, I've, you've lost all credibility with me. All you're trying to do is stir things up. And, oh, by the way, you just send out a fundraising email trying to collect more money. Yeah. And then I just lose all respect. So (laughs) imagine that. Uh, Some of their contentions, uh, things they hate about the Lake Powell pipeline proposal is these pumping stations supposed to be every certain number of miles. Explain that to me. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to pump the water up Mm -hmm. and so we'll have pumps. And then as it starts to come back down, we're going to actually have a little hydro plant. So we'll collect that energy back and produce electricity with it. Um, but th- we've been doing that and the, like engineers have been doing that for over a hundred years. It's not that big of a deal. And so it's not a new thing, something they're you know, cause they're saying, well, this is a crazy new things going to freak people no. out. And, and even, even a, that's another thing is the, the true impact of the environmental, like once the Lake Powell pipeline is built, every bird, 
every deer, every mouse, every grasshopper will not care it's there. Like they'll just hop over it. Mm -hmm. It will have no effect upon them. And even if the sucker leaks, it's no big deal. It's water. It's water. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they, you might if, have extra vegetation with that leak. <laughs> well, we we actually had some biologists that came because there is a, a corridor of mule deer that the the pipeline goes through, and there was a biologist that asked us if we could put a few sprinklers there to grow a little extra feed for the mule deer. Hmm. Um, so, so that's the thing that's frustrating to me is people say, well, these environmental documents. Well, from an environmental standpoint, the Lake Powell pipeline is nothing. Like, like I said, even it's not like it's carrying some very toxic chemical or right. some hydrocarbons. Even if it does leak, it'll be a little bit of green spot there. We'll go out there and patch it and it's done. And so, yeah. Sorry, you got me going today. No, that's good. I, I think that's good because, like I said, there are websites dedicated to propagating what you know what they their, their agenda yeah and uh as you said a lot of their agenda is based on falsehoods now yeah and that's just i've i don't know if you remember a gentleman named dr booth he was kind of known well here in the community yeah, yeah. very respected man he came to me one day and he's like i am totally against the lake powell pipeline i says why is that dr booth and he's like because i'm sick of all these people moving in here <laughs> i says well dr booth from my understanding you have like a, a lot of grandkids and he says, yeah, and I'm tired of them coming over to my house and eating all my food. I want them to move out of the community. <laughs> and he, he was joking. I'm sure he of loved course, his grandkids. Yeah. Funny but, guy, yeah. But that was probably the most honest conversation of somebody that was opposed to the Lake Powell Pipeline that I've had. Because um, he just he's like, I don't want people moving here. I don't want our economy to grow. I don't care if people lose their jobs from construction jobs. He's like, I, I like it the way it is, and I don't want it to change. Hmm. So... Well, Dr. Booth had a great career, and, and may he rest in peace. Uh, yes. But I think without the growth that he experienced just during his lifetime, I don't know that his career would have been as great. So, Well, uh, it, part of that conversation, somebody's sitting there, and they're like, Dr. Booth, how many kids did you bring into St. George as a doctor? <laughs> that's right. And he's like, it was thousands, apparently. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're the problem, Dr. Booth. <laughs> like, yeah, could deliver those babies. Yeah, for it, it was a fun conversation to have with him. <laughs> Great he guy. was a, he really was a great man. Yeah, a pillar of this community for many yeah. many years, uh, Doctor yeah, Booth. Sad to see him go. So, um, okay, we a couple of things I wanted to get to uh, as we get rolling here. We just talked about Lake Powell Pipeline. And by the way, if you have any questions, you're welcome to call six seven three five eight nine zero, or you can text me. Uh, and I've gotten a lot more. It seems like more text lately than calls, which is fine if you don't want to talk on the air. But you can text me at four three five four six seven five eight four two. Wanted to talk to you about runoff, spring runoff. What if if Zach Renstrom could design a spring that would maximize uh, all the water we have in them there hills right now? <laughs> Uh, what kind of spring would that be? I know what he doesn't want. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, when uh, when we come back. I also uh, was going to ask him about reservoirs. Now, uh, we talked about this yesterday with uh, Gil Onquist, uh, and he said one of the problems is we have we don't have anywhere to put all the water that's going to come because we I mean we could fill up our reservoirs, but then the water's got to keep going down the hill and you know down out until eventually it reaches the ocean right so uh you know where are we at with reservoirs actually let's let's talk about that for about two minutes and yeah. then and then we'll move on uh first of all let's go ash creek or tokerville reservoir now where are we at on that so we're installing if you drive up there you'll see a, a ton of pipe all over the the as you drive up well as you go to northern utah look over to mm -hmm. your right and you'll see a ton of pipe right when you get to the tokerville exit so we're installing all the pipe works for that reservoir 
Um, we're in the final stages of our design for the actual dam itself, and so hopefully we'll be putting that bid out here in the next couple months. Uh, one of the things that we, we actually have ran into is dam engineers. Um, <laughs> am I talking about the A physical? A double entendre <laughs> yeah, or something, yeah. yeah. Um, our country is, is losing a resource because our country about 20, 30 years ago decided for some reason the dams weren't good. So it's actually hard to find people with the expertise to design these things. Really? They're rare, huh? Well, they're retiring, they're getting old, and they're dying. Hmm. And so just so you know, when you dam, we, we, we hire an engineer to actually design it. Then the state dam safety people come in and they review this the design. Then we actually go out for another independent review of that dam design. Um, because one of those things we they, we just can't have a failure. Like there's not right. an exception. And so right, think thistle or think uh, think uh, quail, quail. <laughs> not that line. Forty years ago now, but yeah. So there, we it's going through that last review of those those old those individuals that have retired, and we had to beg back to come back and look at the design. So hopefully we'll get Tokerville going. Um, right now we're also actively designing grave wash. Um, or well, well, go back to Tokerville. What's a target finish date then? Oh, that's estimate a, a year. Oh, two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah, just the foundation will probably take a full year, and and that stuff you don't even see. That's where we just dig down, and then the actual dirt work above the reservoir will take about a year or two. Okay. Um. So probably about twenty twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get that about twenty twenty five graveyard, which is over located by Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Um. So they are in the the initial stages of the design work on that one. And we're also working with a couple of property owners to get buy some property and a few things there, but that one for sure will go through. And that's a few years off then. If, if, yeah. Yeah. That, if we're that, two years from Tokerville, we're still probably three to four. Yeah. Okay. For graveyard wash. Cove Reservoir is going through the environmental review process and that's located up there uh, by Orderville kind of between Mount Carmel and Orderville. And okay. that, we're teaming up with Kane the conservancy district with Kane County. And so that's going through the environmental review process and dry wash and Ivan's. Um, they're just doing some initial dirt work, uh, drilling holes, make sure that that's suitable. Okay. And what about the big one? Warner Valley. Uh, right now, um, that's going to be off our ways. Um, uh, but we are in the process of, uh, acquiring the land from the BLM. We're doing a land swap with the BLM to own that. Got a text here. We'll, we'll we'll answer this text before we go to break. Sure. It is, uh, if Lake Powell is too low to supply water, then why bother build a pipeline? I understand that Utah is not using its allocated water rights and sending it downstream, but it still seems like an awful big waste of money to build a pipeline that eventually will get shut down anyway. So even if Lake Powell, even if Lake Powell is completely taken out, let's say they just ripped the thing out. Um, the design we can go down into the river itself and suck the water out of the river and so we can't right now the rules are i can't store any water in lake powell but even if it goes down to that very very low level we would still get water out of lake powell um or at that time would be the colorado river okay so yeah and that's one of the things that we're cautious about we want i mean we will not build it unless we have an assurance that we have the water that we can bring over and that's part of the discussion that's going on in the colorado river okay he's zach Uh, i'm andy we'll be right back welcome back andy and zach andy is big zach is little and uh i get teased for being big sometimes and you probably get teased for being little sometimes and that's that's okay right i you know i I just don't care I like. I'm. Good. I got a beautiful wife. 
I have a great life. So yeah, I, I I'm guessing you've never had an old lady come up to you in a grocery store and say, uh, "Excuse me, sir, can you get that off the top shelf?" Because that happens to me a lot. But no, I I I don't recall that happening. <laughs> Maybe if they need something off the bottom shelf, I'll say, "Hey, Zach, can you get that for me?" Usually, somebody will say, "Zach, run into the back of the store and get that real quick." <laughs> All right, a couple of texts here. Uh, ask Zach, why don't they start looking at the Mississippi? Uh, Louisiana has so much water in it. Uh, it would not hurt to fill Lake Powell with that. If we can build a pipeline from Powell to St. George, it seems we could build a pipeline from Louisiana to Lake Powell or the Colorado tributaries. All the states could share the cost. Thoughts? So it was funny. That's actually a great question. Uh, so every year we get together for this conference down Las Vegas for the Colorado River. And people have been talking about this idea for a few years. And eight years ago, people that had that idea were kind of like laughed at. Laughed out of the room, yep. Well, at this last conference, they had a whole presentation on how to make something work like that. Hmm. And from an engineering standpoint, it's actually very easy. So you don't have to build it all the way to Lake Powell. What you need to do is right now the state of Colorado takes water out of the Colorado River, takes it out of the basin, and gives it to like Denver and, and uh some of the communities along the front range. Mm-hmm. All you'd have to do is build a pipeline like to Denver and then tell Cal- Colorado to let that water flow down to Lake Powell. And so they, they've looked at it from an engineering side. It's actually very feasible from a cost standpoint is actually feasible. Um, but the biggest impediment is the environmental hurdles and the, the mm. subsequent lawsuits. And it was very interesting to see the the proposal and just see how easy this would be to to do. Um, but then they're just like, yeah, you, it, it would be, it would take so many years and years and years and years and years of environmental review studies and all that. They said it's impractical. But if, if Congress came in and said just build the thing, it, it could be done. Where did we where did we go off the rails with the environmental thing? Because I, I think. I mean, you just said, I, I love the environment. I want the environment to do well. I agree. I think most Americans would be like, yeah, sure, we, we don't want to kill off any more dodo birds or anything like that. But we have, there has to be some logic, some sanity to it. So I got very frustrated. And so I actually went back. Um, so, I, I th- you know, I'm an attorney. So I went back and reviewed the congressional deli- the congressional record on how this came to be. And the whole discussion was it was very reasonable, rational. And the way it was presented, I probably would have voted for it because the whole concept was is just look at a couple of alternatives and choose the alternative that has the least impact, which is a very reasonable – actually, sense. it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it got hijacked by so many things, by executive orders, Congress monkeying around here or there with it. The courts have not helped the system very much because they, they've added some things in to nowadays there's almost more – attorneys dealing with environmental impact studies than there are actually biologists or engineers. Hmm. And, and that's the frustrating thing. It, it has nothing, like I said, I wish I could just say, Hey, what can we do to help a fish or a plant? But that's not what we do anymore. No. Instead we have thousands of pages and lawsuits. Well, and it's, I, I, I'd love to take that money and actually do something t- to help the environment, like buy some critical habitat. Um, you know, there's some, some other things we could do, Yeah, but it's wasted. All right. Uh, we have a few minutes. I wanted to ask you about, okay, so we've got lots of storms. There's snow in the mountains. Uh, the, the soil is saturated. This is, these are all good things, except <laughs> if it gets, uh, okay, so it's 42 for a high or so today. 
uh, on March, today is the 22nd, March 22nd, what if it's 92? We're, we're, we're going to be in a, a very, uh, it will be a tough situation. We'll, we will mm. definitely have flooding. Uh, the worst flooding that we have in this county is when we have a large snowpack like right now, and then we have a really warm rain event that comes in from like Southern California and dumps a lot of energy into that snowpack and causes that snowpack to melt very quickly. And so if you if you look back on the major floods on the Virgin River, everyone happened that way where you had a good snowpack and then a, then a warm rain came in and just melted that snow rapidly. Hmm. The tough thing with that is if that happens to, we have very limited ability to capture that water. And so we like a really nice slow warm-up. So keep it nice and cool. Till Six, about- 60s and 70s till mid-March, maybe close to 80 by the end of the month. No, no, no. That's no? way too warm. Too, too fast? Too fast. Okay. We wanted to go slow and just kind of creep up maybe one or two degrees a week. Okay. And let that snowpack just comes off really nice and gradually. Keep a few storms, keeping coming in, keeping the soils wet, keeping water use down. Um, that's what we'd love to see. When when these big storm events happen, and, and you say that a lot of that water is not usable at that point, is that because it's so dirty and, and you know, full of silt, or, or what's the main reason there? Yeah, so most, like Sand Hollow and Quail are two biggest reservoirs. They're located off stream, which means we have to pipe all the water into, well, 95% of the water is piped into those reservoirs. Okay. And so that pipe is only so large. And so if the spring runoff lasts for three months, then... You know, it's just the capacity of that pipe, where if the spring runoff lasts for two weeks, then we, we can do it. But then we do have the problem with just debris. Um, mm-hmm. If you go out there, there's sticks. And if a stick goes into those those pipes, they they plug it up and God. we have major problems. And so mm-hmm. that's why we want that nice, gradual. Um, during a big flood event, like when you see the Virgin River r- r- raging, like at a 1,000 cubic feet per second, we literally just lift up all the gates and let all that water flow out of the state of Utah. Didn't have a choice. But there's nothing we can do. Yeah. So... Uh, do you see, and, and I know this is speculative, do you see uh, it we ever have in a situation like we had, I don't know how long, has it been 15, 20, 25 years, whenever that we, we had, 18 years I think is it, when, when we had the big flood and houses falling into the river. Do you see that happening ever again? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hmm. So, I, sorry. That's kind of sad, but yeah, okay. So, I will say as an engineer, I've seen some things happen that I just shake my head out and think this is not right. And for some, I don't know the details of why certain things were allowed to occur or why they were built that way, but it does. With that said, uh, after those big flood events, we formed the, what was called the Washington County water, uh, Washington County flood control authority. And they have been much more active and preparing and, 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 you know, putting riprap and taking care of certain things. And so we're in a much better position now than we were like 20 years ago but still if we had a a like a hundred year flood event on the virgin river there would there's no question that there would be businesses and buildings that would be taken out so so my wife and i drive around town and we see houses or like you said businesses built in what we would think is of as a floodplain a plain Mm -hmm. where if the river gets really full it's going to wash through there uh it, it's not just us then saying those guys shouldn't be doing that. It, it, they really shouldn't be doing that, a lot of them? As an engineer, I'm telling you they shouldn't be doing that. Mm. They better have really good flood insurance. Yeah, yeah. But what's sad is, you know, flood insurance could replace a house, but but it does make me very concerned about the loss of life. Loss of life and memories, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the phone line. Hey, you're on with Zach this morning. What's on your mind? Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Zach. Morning. 
lot of conversation during the uh, 45 minutes uh, about the federal government and, uh, you know, their involvement in various things. You also mentioned uh, the Environmental Protection Agency. Can either one of you tell me how we got the EPA? How we, how we got the EPA? Yeah. Yeah. Is it in the Constitution? <laughs> no. No. Under what authority? Under what authority does the federal government operate the EPA? So, if you if you if you pin them into a corner and say how do you, how does how does this federal government have the authority to do that? They go to the Commerce Clause, and basically saying, well, well the EPA regulates all these chemicals and yada yada yada, and that's where they claim. Right, but you can twist that any way you want. My yep. point is, the way we got the EPA was. Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon, through an executive order, created the EPA. Executive orders are not legal and lawful the way that they've been used most of the time. And, and Zach, I heard you talk about, you know, the, the game playing and so forth that's been taking place and executive orders and so forth. We need to go back to the beginning. And the fact is the EPA is completely illegal under the Constitution. And so I don't know why we continue to deal with the EPA as if they're legitimate when, in fact, they are not. And so, you know, and you say, well, if we don't have an EPA, what a, well, you know, without the EPA, what, what happens is we go back to the Constitution and the states deal with the environmental issues within the states. And, of course, the states can work together. But my point is we've given authority to the federal government, which the Constitution does not allow and we allow them to drag us around by the nose. Why don't we get rid of the EPA? I I think you feel my frustrations because <laughs> I I get well, I, I I hear you. Right. So if we give somebody authority over us that doesn't actually have it, who's the foolish one? Us or them? Ooh, that would that would be us. I think yeah. that would be us. So my my point and Andy, you know, this is something I talk about all the time on your show is about abiding by the Constitution. The people, our senators and our representatives violate the Constitution all the time. Why don't we start at the beginning again and let's get the authority where it belongs and take it back away from the Fed, which it does not belong to. You know, the Constitution did two things. It created the federal government and then it limited the federal government. We have, we have not done our part of it, the states and the people, and forced the federal government within the bounds of their authority. That's where the problem is. It, it kind of goes back to that whole old saying that we were hearing a lot during COVID. Uh, it, a man who will give up his liberty for for safety is a man who will end up losing both. Yep. So, all right, got to get a commercial break in. Thanks for the call, Steve. Running out of time, 673-5890 if you want to call into the show. It's pretty much now or never. Andy Griffin with Zach Renstrom, the uh, general manager of the Washington, Washington County Water Conservancy District. Zach, thank you again for coming on the show today. It's good to be here. Uh, you mentioned something a little bit earlier in the, in the program about uh, new builds and the fact that uh, new houses now, new builds, I mean, we're still growing like crazy they are going to have to be more advanced, more friendly to the environment, and especially water conservation than they ever have been before. When you said that, what were you referring to? What are some of the things that, that, that we can expect if, if I were to build a new house? So if you build a new house today, so if you go get a building permit, um, 
there's a couple things. things. First of all, the fixtures inside the house, and, and a lot of this doesn't come from the cities. It actually came from our Utah State Legislature. Okay. Um, basically, all those fixtures now have to be water uh, – it has a standard that they have to be water efficient. And okay. so now people freak out when they hear that, but most people don't even realize now. The technology has improved such with dishwashers and washing machines. They actually do good jobs. Even the toilets, there were huge problems with that. Um They've they've oversaw they've solved those. Where you probably see the biggest effect is outside, okay. and that's the landscaping. And so there's now limits on the amount of grass that you can have and where it needs to be placed. And that's where the real savings for water comes from. Is there a number, a percent number, or how- um, generally it's eight percent of the landscaping. And what's interesting about these standards is we actually went to the home builders and said, "Hey, we we have water. I mean, water's an issue here." What 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 do you guys want to do with this? And they actually were really good about saying, well, we think this is what is a reasonable standard to have and what we we think we could support. And so the home, home builders were actually phenomenal in, in supporting that and saying, yeah, this this is what we think is this is what we want. And so they we developed those. We present them to the cities. The cities have taken them. Um, you know, some cities are a little bit different than others, um, but they're pretty much substantially all the same. And so already, even before that, the majority of our homes easily met that standard already. So, all right, we're, he- we're heading in the right direction. What about things like, uh, you know, this has come up on the show over the last couple of years, the, the uh, hot water recirculation mm-hmm. deals. Are, are those required now in new builds? It depends on the house. So if you have a, like a small home where the hot water heater is uh, located very well, you, you know, the shower is only a few feet away, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to have it. Sure. But if it's a bigger home, and the code now says, well, if the, home, if the shower is located so far away from the hot water heater, then they do install those. They, they're mandatory. And so they just basically look at it and say, does it make sense? Put it in. If it doesn't, like a small house or an apartment or something like that, they don't install them. So they, they, haven't, they haven't put a number, like how close or anything like that mm-hmm. at this point. It's just to make it, you know, a logical thing. There is how many feet run from the hot water heater. Oh, okay. So it's, there is a number. There is a number, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's in the billing, uh, the plumbing code. Okay. But it, it just it really does like a, in a bigger home, it can save up to ten thousand gallons of water a year. Yeah. Oh, sure. And it also actually there is a little electrical component to it because it is there's a little pump recycling it, but you save the the energy from not using as much hot water. And why that is is most people with those they go they crank it to hot and then they walk away. For two minutes till it gets and, hot, yeah. and then they see the steam boiling out, and they're like, "Oh, it's hot," and they go adjust it. Where this usually, like with the pumps, usually you have hot water within fifteen seconds of that. Nice. So um, I, I was always curious: uh, tankless water heaters are, mm-hmm. are those water efficient, or are those water wasters? No, they can be in, in the right applications. They're very, very efficient, and they do a great job. Um, it's just one of those things with technology. If you, if you utilize it right, then it can be very efficient both from a water standpoint and from an uh, energy standpoint. And so you just have to kind of look at what you're doing and what to do. So it could be, it, it should be better than uh, the old big old water tanks. In, in certain circumstances, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, so, yeah. We still got three minutes. I'm going to pursue that. What does that mean in certain cir- circumstances? Well, so how those work is they... They have a, a little tiny bit of hot water stored in there. Mm-hmm. And so when, like, if you're just filling up something fast, it, it's already stored there. But if you're taking a shower, then it kicks on a lot of heat. Well, if you have one of these pumps that was continuing to circulate hot water through the system, then that 
has to be energized pretty much all the time. So if you have a bigger house that you're having hot water go from the instant hot water heater all the way down to some shower, they wouldn't be efficient there. But if you had a smaller house um, where the shower is located right next to it, they'd be very efficient. Or I've seen um, some homes where they have multiple hot instant hot water heaters located like right next to the showers. And hmm. in that case, they would be also very efficient at that standpoint. And so if you just have a good architect that kind of understands the technology, that's w- with everything. If you have someone that kind of understands that they can utilize it. I uh, just got a text here. Let me read it for you. Uh, uh, older HOAs stop artificial grass. Uh, have there been meetings on that? Because this oh, yeah. has come up several times where a lot of HOAs say you must have this yeah. percentage of grass in your front yard to qualify or otherwise you'll be fined. What have you heard on that? So that's that issue has actually come up to the Utah State Legislature several times. A new homeowner association uh, can't limit that. So the question is, is the older homeowner associations, what could they do with that? Right. The bill that was passed, I will say is gray. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> they, I could argue it either way. The, the tough thing is, is with an HOA, it's a contractual relationship among property owners. And so there's limits to what the government can do to go and interrupt a existing contractual relationship among individuals. And so that's the argument. So the legislature saying, yeah, you can, an HOA, you can't stop somebody from doing this. But then they come back and say, now, wait a second, this is a contractual agreement amongst us. And so there's a little bit of a gray area there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's one of those things I think the courts will have to step up and, and actually say, hey, this is this is what would be allowed. Um, and, and we, I found that most of the older HOAs, if you sit down with them and kind of talk through them, they usually are, are very... Well, not always rational, but they, they they want to do the right thing too. Most of them. I got fined once because my trash can was visible from the street, <laughs> like, so I built a little shed around. Anyway, uh, I, I will say this: I think uh, you know you, you talked about them being reasonable. I think remember it is homeowners association. Yeah. If enough of you homeowners say, "Hey, this is not right. We want to save water," you can do something about it, right, Zach? Yeah. Or if you want to leave your garbage can out, you can make tick change, too. <laughs> it was visible from the from the street. Yeah. Uh, Zach, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. It's fun. Uh, enjoy uh, you sharing uh, some of your knowledge with us. Thank you, man. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back. Actually, I will not be here tomorrow. Going up to the state basketball tournament. Uh, so we'll leave you in the capable hands of Jeff Cochran and company here on KDXU. And best of luck to our local teams. That is, if I can make it through the snow.